0: Good mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a split in the State House. Many in the Ohio Senate are unhappy with the way their colleagues in the House have handled that multi billion dollar appropriations bill, touting allocations they say are a long way from being finalized. Senator Rob McCauley offers his take. Also, this morning, every parent has a homemade Valentine gift that they cherish, but it's no longer just children who are sharing these gifts from the heart. And happening around town, members of the cast join us to preview the upcoming Fort Findlay Playhouse production of Weekend Comedy. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. This is the thing. Normally, when I have a late night on a Sunday for, say, the Super Bowl, (laughs) really late, but whatever it is that uh, throws me off of my regular schedule uh, at the tail end of the weekend before the week starts, it's usually not Monday where I'm dragging. It's usually Tuesday. I don't know why that is, but it it normally catches up to me uh, on Tuesday. So I'm just putting that out there. Just a fair warning that today might be a little shaky <laughs> because this is when it usually uh catches up to me after the uh after the Super Bowl and I know at, at this point you're probably super Bowled out all of the uh post game analysis and all of the pop culture analysis post big game and all of that however this was uh this was kind of interesting the numbers are in and Super Bowl 58, not just the most watched Super Bowl, not just the most watched football game, not mo- not just the most watched sporting event ever, Super Bowl 58 was the most watched telecast in history. Most watched telecast ever. Uh, drew, an average of over 123 million viewers across all platforms and average and of course a lot of people and it tuned in and tuned out as they were you know they had their parties their gatherings um i'm sure that there were a few channel surfers who were not necessarily into the game but knew they had to at least watch part of it so that they could talk intelligently about it the next day with the friends and co-workers whatever so i 123 million average viewers across all platforms. CBS had 112 million of that, the largest audience in history for a single network. Um, The rest were on streaming platforms in total over 200 million viewers watched all or part of the game uh, up 10% from last year and last year was a record. So uh, it, it was just huge, and a friend of mine pointed this out. I hadn't even thought of it because I don't generally participate in the uh, Super Bowl pools, but I know a lot of people do, and if you uh, were in uh, one of those Super Bowl squares pool, you've heard of this, right? I don't know if you've ever participated, but you get a, a grid of 100 squares, uh, 10 lengthwise and 10 height, and then you fill in all the squares. People buy their squares for like—the buy-in is like 5 or 10 bucks or whatever— And uh, then afterwards, uh, after all the squares are filled in, you uh, draw numbers, uh, 0 through through 9 across the top and 0 through 9 across the side. And then one side is labeled the Chiefs, the other is labeled the 49ers. And then at the end of each quarter, the final digit of the score, you align those two boxes and whoever is in that box wins a part of the pool and at the end of the game uh if your square matches up with the final score you get a a big chunk of the pot right so anyway normally there are certain squares that are highly prized because there are certain scores that usually uh are, are more likely to come up uh squares that end in a seven or a one or a three or a four uh, are generally pretty prized because it could be, you know, like 21 to seven. So the one and the seven uh, would be a a pretty valuable square. And then there are others that are not uh, considered very valuable squares. Like if you have five and five, (laughs) it's not very often you have like a 35 to 25 score or whatever. Um, Twos are, are, you know, generally considered junk squares. So, because it's more more common than a five, but a two is still uh, rather rare. Well, guess what the final score was? 25 to 22. So, you know, when you have those pools and somebody draws the five and two square, you think, oh man, well, I just lost. As it turned out, this year at the Super Bowl, that was the winning square, five and two. It's just... About it now, how would you like to have the opposite? Uh, where you had the Niners with the five and the, and the Chiefs with the two, knowing you were so close, but no cigar anyway, just kind of uh, kind of interesting there. It was uh, unique in that respect. couple of other uh, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Tuesday morning started Valentine's Day tomorrow, new survey of 2,000 Americans. They asked, what are your favorite cheesy movie lines? (laughs) Your favorite cheesy movie lines. And the number one pick, America's favorite cheesy movie line from Jerry Maguire, You Had Me at Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That is cheesy. You Had Me at Hello. Uh, Number two on the list from Pretty Woman, I Want the Fairy Tale. Remember when... Uh, Julia Roberts said that to Richard Gere. I want the fairy tale. That's the uh, number two cheesy line, cheesy movie line uh, that is our favorite. And uh, then the line from Disney's Pocahontas that came in number three. And I had forgotten about this line, but it is a bit cheesy. I'd rather die tomorrow than live a hundred years without knowing you. So some of the top cheesy movie lines. Sixty-three percent of those in the survey said that they were more likely to remember cheesy lines than the more serious ones. So, you no, know, hey, it may be cheesy, but it's memorable. And uh, you had me at hello. Mm. Um. By the way, speaking of Valentine's Day and dating and relationships and all of that, love and well, there's a this is kind of interesting. A new Uh, online dating platform has been introduced. The financial service Neon Money Club has introduced a dating app called Score. And as you might expect from the company that created it in the name, uh, you have to have a certain credit score in order to join. (laughs) They are targeting individuals with good to excellent credit Uh, So your score has to be a 675 or above, or you will be rejected. You cannot join the club. The app claims to emphasize the importance of financial health in relationships, asserting that a good credit score could be a valuable attribute in the dating world. So make of that what you will. The CEO of the Neon Money Club Express the app's goal of elevating discussions around financial wellness in relationships. It's, uh, that has been overlooked for years, and it's time that we uh, focused on good financial health in relationships. So, yes, they'll, they'll find a niche, I'm sure. A couple of other items here among the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You know how we've been talking for years about uh, going back to the moon, maybe colonizing the moon, going to Mars, and maybe establishing a human colony on the red planet? If we do that, there are a lot of logistical things we got to figure out. Like, for example, how to grow food in outer space, right? Because, I mean, if you're establishing a colony on Mars, it's not like you can make a, a run to the grocery store anytime you want. <laughs> you have to grow your own food. There, well, uh, researchers at the University of Delaware have found that that may very well present a problem. They found that lettuce grown in space might be more susceptible to salmonella. And that could make space farming more difficult, as you might imagine. On Earth, pores close under stress to defend lettuce from disease. But in microgravity experiments, these pores opened instead of closed and did the exact opposite of what they normally do on our planet. Uh, according to the lead researcher of this project for the University of Delaware, we need to be prepared uh we need to be prepared for and reduce risks in space for those living now on the International Space Station and those who might live there in the future and on other planets, etc., etc. Growing plants in space could help provide those on board these uh space excursions uh Survive, obviously, with uh, with fresh food. Uh, so, but it just another more evidence that we have a long way to go until we figure all of this out. I mean, we've been talking about this for years. It's going to be a while before we can actually figure out what we're doing and how to make this work logistically without pe- putting people's lives at risk. So, or any more at risk than you know, traveling to Mars would be. And uh, this item on the Newswire, because we always have something. We always have to have something to be worried about, some story that gives us the a sign that the universe is coming to an end, that the world is coming to an end. In the matter of uh, the past, what is it, 36 to 48 hours, just in the past couple of days, more than a dozen earthquakes, including 13 earthquakes within a 25 minute span, have struck parts of California, particularly near El Centro in the southern border region. The United States Geological Survey's Shake Alert System was activated with at least one earthquake estimated to be above the magnitude 5.0, prompting alerts to be sent out to cell phones around the area. According to this report, the cluster of earthquakes occurred just two days after a 4.6 magnitude quake near Malibu. Although no major damage or injuries were reported, Earthquake expert Dr. Lucy Jones uh, puts it at a five percent chance—a five percent chance that a larger earthquake will strike Southern California in the near future. Uh, they say that uh, these uh, smaller tremors are uh, precursors, quite often, to a larger quake that is coming. A 5.7 magnitude quake was felt in Hawaii. Uh, a couple of days ago, but it was unrelated to the quakes in California. So they say, but I just, uh, I saw that story and there's more evidence. California is about to fall off into the ocean. That's, I mean, this is what we're worried about now. 13 earthquakes in a 25 minute span. And, uh, it's just, even for Californians, that's, uh, that's a little much, you know, that's, uh, that's just a little much. There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started here.
1: WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today, a high around 40, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 30. The Cary Police Department says when officers tried to stop a vehicle for a speeding violation early Saturday morning, the vehicle failed to stop and led authorities on a pursuit. The suspect vehicle went southbound on U.S. 23 and deputies with the Wyandotte County Sheriff's Office deployed stop sticks and the vehicle struck the road spikes and eventually came to a stop. The driver of the vehicle, a 30-year-old from Delaware, Ohio, was arrested and charged with failure to comply, speeding, driving under suspension, and he also had two active warrants. Get more on the pursuit in this story on our website. Ohio officials announcing two new indictments in the bribery scandal involving First Energy marking new developments in what's been called the biggest corruption case in Ohio history. A grand jury indicted
2: former First Energy CEO Chuck Jones and Vice President Michael Dowling. Yo says they, along with former Public Utilities Chairman Samuel Randazzo, face a combined total of 27 felony violations. They're accused of participating in a $60 million scheme involving First Energy to fund the campaign of former House Speaker Larry Householder. Householder is currently in prison, serving 20 years for his role in the scheme. I'm Colin Dorsey.
1: Blanchard Valley Center, the Hancock County Board of Developmental Disabilities, will be hosting two community events this month, a polar plunge and a cabin fever reliever event.
0: We came up with the Cabin Fever and the Polar Plunge events because we know this time of year can be challenging and wanted to offer an outlet or two for the community to participate in. At the Cabin Fever event, we will have Blanchard Valley Center staff on hand for anyone looking to know a little bit more about what we do and how we support Hancock County residents with developmental disabilities.
1: That's BVC's Nadine Weininger. The Polar Plunge is this weekend. The Cabin Fever Reliever event is on the 24th. Get more details on both in this story on our website. Finley Mayor Christina Mern will deliver her State of the City address on Thursday, February 29th at 6 p.m. at the Fisher Art Gallery at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Community members are invited to attend. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at wfin.com.
0: So now to our cover story this morning. You recall that yesterday on the program, State Representative John Cross was with us talking about his announcement last week, millions of dollars that have been allocated for the 83rd District in a nearly $2 billion supplemental appro- appropriations bill passed by the Ohio House. But many in the Ohio Senate are unhappy with the way their colleagues in the House have handled that appropriations bill. Touting allocations, they say, are a long way from being finalized. Senator Rob McCauley joins us this morning uh, to uh, offer his take. And uh, Senator, first of all, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Um, now, as I understand it, uh, m- many have uh, said, "Wait a minute, hold the phone." We're announcing these uh, these allocations, these uh, uh, appropriations. Uh, prematurely that this is a long way from being done, but you seem to have uh, also taken exception to the entire process and the way that this bill was drafted and introduced and passed in the House. Is that right?
3: Well, thank you for having me on, Chris. I truly appreciate it. And I I think, you know, to answer that question, I think it would be helpful for the listeners to hear kind of what the historical precedent has been on these types of bills. This is not the first time uh, we've passed these types of large in-district spending bills. Uh, We do it usually every other year with the passage of the capital budget. Um, And this, this process is much the same, or at least we thought it was going to be much the same. And and let me start by laying a few ground rules here. Uh, My goal here is to just make sure that people have the most accurate information. That's the most important thing that's happening right now. I'm not trying to make, you know, uh, a political statement or anything like that. Understood. Um, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that projects that were in House Bill 2 um, are not going to be funded. I, you know, I, I look forward to learning more about them. But typically when we pass these in-district spending bills, It's part of a a, – the customary process is collaborative, it's cooperative, and ultimately it's fair. And the way that it works is the two chambers, the the members from their districts, go out, they they attract these projects, they gather these projects, they come together uh, with representatives and senators from those districts and compare notes. Um, And at least in my case, we usually come up with an agreed-upon list of projects. And an agreed upon appropriation request for each project, the senators and representatives then, throughout that exhaustive process, then pass along their lists and re- appropriation requests to their respective finance chairs and chamber leadership and uh, chamber staff. And then a final version of the bill gets negotiated between both chambers before the bill even gets introduced, typically. And that does a few things. Number one, it makes sure that every member in the entire legislature has an opportunity to to come together um, and uh, have an input into the process. But it also grants predictability to the grant recipients um, insofar as they're able, once a bill is introduced, it is practically etched in stone. It's not going to change. Mm -hmm. um, And then they can go forward with predictability to make their own spending decisions of those bills. That's That's how these bills have worked my entire time in the legislature, Yeah, Um, uh, and I've been in since 2015, so uh, So, for whatever that is worth.
0: (laughs) So, to be clear, and I want to make sure that we emphasize this because uh, we don't want to give the uh, wrong impression, you are not necessarily opposed to the allocations themselves uh, so much as the uh, process which was, as you said, unusual for these types of bills.
3: That would would be fair to say. I I have not had a chance to learn enough about any of these projects. And as I mentioned before, many of them sound like they're very good projects. Fair enough. Uh, But I I think uh, there's an awful lot of process left to play out, Um, whereas if we would have gone the typical route, uh, this all would have been worked out before the bill were introduced.
0: Now... uh What we're talking about here is, and and help me understand this, uh, what we're talking about here uh, mainly is uh, the uh, Strategic Investment Fund, which is this uh, one-time pot of money from the overage of the uh, previous operating budget uh, that has been set aside for uh, these types of, of capital projects beyond what would normally be included in the capital budget and there's uh, something like uh, 900 is it like 900 million dollars or something uh in this uh, strategic investment fund but as we mentioned the uh house bill HB2 was a nearly 2 billion dollar supplemental appro- appropriations bill so did it also include uh the house version of the capital budget itself
3: no, it, it did not. Um, so, it's, the strategic investment fund, as a refresher, was seven hundred million dollars.
0: Seven hundred million,
3: a uh, basically excess GRF, excess general revenue fund money that we really couldn't build in on an ongoing basis into our operating budget. Mm-hmm. But it was a reflection of you know good fiscal management from the state of Ohio,
4: Right.
3: Uh, being able to have that access and saying this is one-time money. How do we return it to our districts? How do we return it? Um, to the voters and the taxpayers to make sure that our communities can take advantage of this. The, the extra money that was in the bill, my understanding, it includes some Public Works Commission money. It included gotcha. um, some other appropriations in there, which is typical in a capital bill as well is that some broader state priorities would also so, be funded
0: uh, in those bills. So not uh, out of the ordinary there with respect to that. Um and Mr. Cross's response to the uh, to the criticism that this was done uh, without the the cooperative and collaborative nature that that you refer to is that the house basically allocated half of the strategic investment fund in this bill and left the other half for the senate to spend. Isn't that fair?
3: No, uh, and and this is something that the Senate has been pretty clear since December, is that uh, while typically in in this negotiation, sometimes it works out where a tally is kept of House projects versus Senate projects, and in many cases, that works out to be close to fifty fifty at the end of the day. It's all part of the the ongoing process and and the negotiation that happens between two chambers to make sure that everybody's voices. Are heard and, and most importantly, to make sure that both chambers get eyes on the bill that they're ultimately going to vote for and provide that, that level of oversight that they're required to do and expected to do by the taxpayers of the state of Ohio. There was never an agreement between the chambers to say one chamber will go alone without oversight or questioning or, or any sort of involvement from the other chamber, and then the other chamber gets to do the same thing Without any questioning or oversight or involvement from the first chamber. There was never any agreement in that regard.
0: There are those who have speculated that one of the reasons why the House did what they did, the way that they did it, was because they wanted to get these, uh, they wanted to go on the record with these uh, appropriations, these allocations before the primary election. There are members of the House uh, that are involved in re-election uh, battles, and as we were talking about yesterday, the Senate late last year quietly decided to delay the capital budget process, pushing that back until well after the election that would normally be taking place right now. We would be talking about the capital budget pro- uh, project. That that Moving that uh, whole capital budget process back upset uh, some members of the House. Did that play into the uh, the House's action with respect to this bill?
3: Well, I I can't speculate exactly as to why they decided to move on the timeline that they did. But you know, looking at the bill, one thing that I think is lends itself again to the to more of an involved uh, process with both chambers to make sure it's fair is that the Dayton Daily News did publish an article uh, just uh, yesterday, I believe, yesterday morning, mentioning that nearly 20% of the counties in the state of Ohio, 16 out of 88 counties, nearly 20% of the counties in the state of Ohio received no funding uh, from the Strategic Investment Fund. And mm-hmm. let's be honest, uh, when you're spending $350 million, um, that's taxpayers' money. Whether you live in uh, Franklin County, you know, Meigs County, or Lucas County, or Hancock County, and uh, two of those counties actually were Putnam and Allen County locally. They so, got nothing. Um, they got nothing. They got zero dollars from from the funding. Yeah. And again, this is this is not my analysis. This is the Dayton Daily News that mm-hmm. wrote an article. So, again, this this lends itself to the, the to the fact that the process should have been more collaborative and cooperative um to ensure that fairness that that
0: uh, I'm talking about Now uh in our conversation yesterday with uh, Mr. Cross he uh, openly admitted that part of the reason why the uh, a- the house took the action they did was to hold the Senate's feet to the fire and uh, and create leverage uh to uh, prevent the uh, Senate from uh, tinkering with those allocations but uh is this is this going to cause a rift in the uh, state legislature is uh, is is it likely that Uh, these uh these monies are going to be reallocated that some of these expenses will be rejected reduced that kind of thing i think it's
3: too early to say that um i think a more likely scenario here is that uh maybe we press the reset button on this process um and that uh there might be a separate bill that gets run through the normal customary process um that uh, ensures that we're more involved, that we can all provide the adequate amount of oversight and ensures that uh, every member, including House and Senate members, get a fair shake. Um, This is a bicameral process. That's the way our process works. It's required to go through both chambers no matter what. Um, And then, of course, it's required to go to the governor for the signature. So uh, we feel very strongly that with these types of projects, there needs to be that, that involved process make sure that the process does not go off the rails and that uh, each member gets a fair shake.
0: We will leave it there for now, but uh, obviously we'll continue to follow this very important story involving the uh, Strategic Investment Fund and the way uh, those dollars will be allocated uh, throughout the state. Again, State Senator Rob McCauley, thanks very much for uh, taking the time sharing your perspective on this. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Chris, and like I said, I look forward to learning more about these projects. Thank you so much.
0: you know what if you ask any parent they will tell you that the best gift that they ever got was the homemade valentine that the kids would make in art class you remember that if you've got kids yeah well why does that that why does that have to be limited to just little kids a heartfelt homemade gift from someone at any age will create timeless memories with the people that you care most about. And Megan Murphy is with us this morning. She is editor-in-chief of Woman's Day and the author of the book, Your Fully Charged Life. Megan, why is it that that crafts make such great gifts? Because I know you are a crafter. Uh, Why is it that this is such a a great idea for Valentine's Day?
4: So it it shows that you put thought into the gift, right? It shows that you spent time and effort and energy in creating this, something special for that special someone versus like whipping through the grocery store and picking up a generic card <laughs> right. or picking up valentine's day uh, roses at a gas station which happened to me once right you want that like custom personalized diy gift that says i care so much about you i put a lot of love and sweat into this project yeah so what are
0: with that in mind what are some good gift ideas for that special someone especially you know we're coming up here there's not a whole lot of time left so you know that's the other nice thing about uh about crafts. So you don't have to worry about delivery dates and, and things like that this is something that you can do uh even at this late time exactly
4: so I say anything personalized, anything that shows, man, I've got a window into your world. I see you and this is a reflection of how much I love you and who you are. And so that can be anything from a customized card to a mug, to a hat, to a tote bag, to a water bottle. And the best way to do this and my 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 secret secret crafting tool is something called a Cricut. Yes. And that is Cricut C R I C U T. Um, but partly from a chirping cricket. It was like cricket plus cut equals cricket. Um, but what it is, it's a smart cutting machine. So it allows you to use its easy-to-use app design space to create a project. You create the project, and then you can cut 50-plus different materials. So you can make full-color stickers, you can cut vinyl. You can cut leather. I have a friend who makes earrings using the Cricut. Wow. Um, you can personalize all of these different things. I'll create all of these different projects. And really, the, the possibilities are actually endless of what you can create. I tend to go on Cricut.com or the Cricut Instagram for a little bit of inspo because it is just incredible the projects that people have pulled off.
0: It really is. I know my wife has one of these and she just loves it. I mean, for anybody who has any kind of creative streak, uh, this is just, uh, this is just heaven.
4: And the cool part, so the new cricket, so your wife will love this. Take this info home to her. <laughs> the new cricket is, it's called the cricket joy extra and it's compact. So it's about the size of a loaf of bread. So I keep the joy at the office. I keep the cricket joy extra at my house. Um, because it literally, I can put it on the kitchen table and start crafting. I'm going to use it to do my son's valentines for school. A, a fun Water bottles are super trendy right now. Mm-hmm. I used it to create water bottles for my son's basketball team. So I took a plain old water bottle and then did all of their names using the cricket, cut it out on the vinyl sticker, and put it on there. And it's like, I look like mom of the year, but I'm telling you what, it was simple to do. It was yeah. super, super The cricket does the hard part. I think to your listeners who don't haven't seen it before, a way to describe it is almost like an exacto knife on steroids. I could never be that precise. I could never get that much done without on my own, right? If I was just mm-hmm. trying to cut vinyl or cut through, I mean, can you imagine cutting out 25 names? It would take forever, ever. But the cricket does that hard part for you.
0: It is a, a terrific uh, device and, and like you said, easy to use, but the possibilities there are endless uh, once you get going on this. You know, the other thing, uh, and we want to talk a little bit about decorating, that's a great uh, tool for, you know, creating unique decorations for, you know, whatever you've got going on valentine's day or any other special day oh
4: and beyond oh so, yeah like absolutely like, once you have a cricket you're like oh my gosh i could use it for that i could use it for this on my front door i have my house number made out of uh i use it up the cricket and i did the sticker vinyl and i did the house number like the n o period in script and that and my house number and it looks phenomenal people ask me all the time oh my gosh where'd you get that i'm like Oh, I made it on a cricket. <laughs> when I had to get my car painted, I was like, "No problem, I'll just make another one. No big deal." The painter was like, "What am I going to do?" I'm like, "No, no, no, I got this. No big deal. I can make another one." So, so there, all of these fun implications. You can make. Um, I've seen people do really incredible um, decals for bedrooms, you know, kids' rooms, initials, monograms. I mean. You can really make anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, just uh, some some ideas to get folks started, and there are lots more ideas. Like you were saying, online, if you need uh, some inspiration, uh, it's really easy to find.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, for Valentine's Day, the DIY card. Use your Cricut to make these fabulous cards. I save every handmade, homemade card I've ever gotten. It just feels like a hug. And then fun stuff. Like, you know, I love my coffee. I always have my coffee mug in the morning, like a personalized mug from my kids with like a motivational quote or even just mama on it. Like feels so awesome, right? T-shirts. I've seen such fun T-shirts. I'm making one for myself that says I'm in my lacrosse mom era of a play on taylor swift and the fact that my two boys uh, (laughs) are big lacrosse players so like what's that little fun customized thing is it a tote bag and i will also say for small business owners this is an incredible tool Mm. my girlfriend is using it to do um tote bags with her uh, brand logo on them when i do a book mailing uh for my fully charged life i do my little lightning bolt on the cricket and i put those stickers on all the packaging when I, my book came out, I made a T-shirt and a jean jacket using the cricket. So, like, the possibilities are truly endless.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, Megan Murphy is editor-in-chief of Women's Day and the author of Your Fully Charged Life, talking about uh, doing something personalized for that someone special in your life this Valentine's Day. Where do we get uh, more ideas and more information, Megan?
4: So, go to cricket.com and it's C-R-I-C-U dot
0: Megan, thanks very much for taking the time. Happy Valentine's Day.
4: Yay, happy Valentine's Day to you. And make sure you tell your wife, the newest one is the Cricket Joy Extra. She's going to think you're so cool and in the know.
0: I think I've got my Valentine's Day gift done now, so. Oh,
4: my goodness. Yes. there <laughs> You go.
0: Megan, thanks so much. Thank you. You're listening
2: to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Actually, kind of a, a light day in the broken news this morning. It happens sometimes. Not a whole lot uh, here. Uh, slim pickings on the newswire. But uh, we do have uh, some uh, interesting and eyebrow-raising stories to uh, to share. Uh, start with a uh, traditional uh, broken news type story and it's another uh, example of mistaken identity happened in the UK over the weekend officers with guns drawn responded to a report of a man carrying a large knife near a hotel elevator on Sunday morning in Enderby um <laughs> you can imagine the uh, big police they get a re- respond man with the knife Uh, big, huge police uh, response to the hotel. When they arrived, however, it turned out the so-called knife-wielding guest was actually an avid Harry Potter fan, and the knife was actually Harry Potter's magic wand. (laughs) He was just carrying a prop. (laughs) Harry Potter's magic wand wasn't a knife at all. Uh, So, all's well that ends well. But, <clears throat> a little mistaken identity there. Uh, local police constable was quoted as saying there was no sign of Voldemort. So, all's well that ends well, I guess. Um, <laughs> our uh, dumb criminal of the day, not so much dumb criminal of the day, more like unlucky. Uh, this happened in Tacoma, Washington, where a convenience store owner managed to get the upper hand on a knife-wielding robber. By pulling out an even bigger knife <laughs> You remember the uh the line in Crocodile Dundee? That's not a knife. That's a knife. That's... <laughs> it's kind of the same thing here. The store owner, uh Knife uh Naif Quat uh, Quot, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, it tells local news reporters the uh owner of the store tells news reporters the suspect pointed a knife at him. It was an actual knife, not a Harry Potter wand. It was an actual knife. Suspect pointed a knife at him and ordered him to open the cash register and hand over all the money. <laughs> the owner the owner, responded by saying, I don't think so, buddy, and picked up a machete that he had behind the counter and waved it back at the suspect. <laughs> I just love the response. I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> Uh Mr. Cadman says the robber fell backward and uh he was he was stunned uh tried to take a step back fell uh the uh, owner of the of the store held the suspect with the machete until police arrived to take him into custody. Uh the uh, store owner Mr. Cadman said I I just wanted to scare him I di- I didn't want to hurt him the uh, suspect was booked into the Pierce County Jail on suspicion of first-degree robbery and felony harassment. (laughs) Give me all your money. Uh, I don't think so, buddy. (laughs) Love that response. Uh, In other broken news this morning, now this is a unique problem to have, and there have been all kinds of stories in the news in recent months and years about how our changing climate is threatening all manner of wildlife. Uh, In Spain, however, they have the exact opposite problem. The Iberian brown bear population that was once on the verge of distinction, uh, the population now has roared back, and the bears are now wreaking havoc on villages in the northern part of the country, according to news reports. (laughs) Authorities have had to been called in to guard residents and their crops. Uh, but in the meantime, locals are asked not to panic, but keep their distance and report encounters to uh, the uh, appropriate uh, uh, wildlife authorities. <laughs> They've got so many of them. At one time they were extinct, and now they're just overrunning uh, these towns in northern Spain. Uh, once they are caught, the bears are anesthetized and given a GPS tracker so that they a collar so that they can easily be located in the future, uh, according to uh, Reuters. While the bears have been a nuisance for villagers, they have been great for business, however, boosting tourism in the area of people looking to catch a glimpse of the bears in the wild. And more than just in the wild, they're in town, They're <laughs> they're in the crops. They're causing all kinds of problems. So conservation does uh have a uh, have a downside in this case, as it turns out. Uh a couple of other items here uh in the uh, broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. This is a great story. I love this story. It's a story about a, a pair of twins, and I'm not sure where the the uh these ladies are from. Uh Maria chavez and andrea lopez they are 90 years old but the story goes back more than eight decades they were separated when their parents died when they were five years old um there were actually like 10 siblings uh including this pair of twins but well, they were all separated and sent to different homes uh they hadn't seen each other in 81 years but last thanksgiving Maria and Andrea found one another due to a genetic test. The twins have now been reunited and plan to move closer to each other so they can uh, rekindle their relationship at the age of 90. uh, Maria says, I am the happiest person in the world because I never thought that I was going to see my twin sister again. Since they reunited... The sisters further have discovered that three of their other siblings, all in their 80s and 90s, are still alive as well. Isn't that amazing reunited after 81 years. Pretty darn cool. And finally, in the broken news this morning, and this is the viral story of the day: story of a mom on TikTok at um, Afro Latina 93. Is her handle. This mom on TikTok gaining attention for her creative response to a bullying incident involving her daughter. And her daughter was not the one that was being bullied. Her daughter, as it turned out, was the one who was doing the bullying. And when mom found out that her girl had bullied a classmate, she decided to teach her daughter a lesson in kindness. Uh, according to the report, in a viral video, the uh, pair can be sheen, seen shopping. Uh, at a uh, uh, local uh, department store to assemble an apology gift basket for the bullied girl. Mom made her daughter, who had bullied a classmate, uh, buy a uh, stuff for an apology gift basket uh, for the uh, girl she bullied. The basket includes a jewelry-making kit, a notebook, snacks, uh, a stuffed dog, an apology card with a handwritten note, a Krispy Kreme gift card, flowers, and a smiley face balloon. Uh, The mom emphasizes the importance of kindness and understanding the impact of one's actions on others and particularly on their mental health. The video has received all kinds of positive comments with many praising the mom's approach to turning the situation into a learning opportunity for her daughter. I just think that is an absolutely fabulous thing, and maybe we could all take a lesson uh, for that, because that's the other side of the bullying question. What do you do when it's your kid that you learn is the bully? And in this case, I think the mom uh, handled it 100% correct. That is uh, absolutely great. So there you go, Uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of Of the news. Always like to kind of leave you with a smile there. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Do you know an exceptional teacher who's made a positive impact in your
0: life or the life of a student? It's time to shine a bright spotlight on these educational heroes with the Finley Rotary Golden Apple Awards. Nominate your favorite teacher from Finley or Hancock County online at finleyrotary.org before April 5th. Nominate an outstanding educator for the Golden Apple Awards. Make a difference. Honor a teacher by
1: visiting FinleyRotary.org today. This message provided by WFIN.
0: And now your daily download. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This is cold and flu season. This is the sniffles season, as you know. And a new survey of 2,000 working Americans commissioned by MD Live finds that when they are sick, 53% of women... So they just want to be left alone. (laughs) Just leave me alone. when you're sick. While 58% of men said in the survey that they wish their mom could still take care of them when they're sick. (laughs) I want my mommy i have to i have to admit that uh i, I can relate to this uh <laughs> to this survey in that respect uh but this was kind of interesting from the survey and it was talking about uh you know what being sick is like in the twenty first century one in four in the survey have posted on social media to let others know that they were under the weather uh sixty percent said they went so far as to take a sick selfie <laughs> that's what getting sick in the 21st century looks like but i thought this was uh, really interesting and this is uh, really the meat of the uh, survey you remember during the pandemic we had this mindset of hey if you're not feeling well don't come into work right well it seems like maybe we are slipping back into our pre-pandemic mindset uh doctors said that that's actually the attitude that we should have all the time but 41 percent of americans now say they are afraid to take sick days uh, because they don't want to fall behind on the job. And 25% say they feel judged for taking time off. Those are more pre-pandemic numbers. 26% would be worried about putting more work on their coworkers if they are not there. But again, uh, the uh, experts at MD Live say taking the time to properly care for yourself when you're not feeling well, not only benefits your own well-being, but ultimately contributes to greater productivity and efficiency in the long run at work so you're not doing anyone any favors by working when you're sick better off to just take it easy stay home get to feeling better and then come back and pick up where you're left off that's actually the uh the best way so something to uh to remember as we head through the latter part of cold and flu season So, happening around town, coming up very soon, the Fourth Findlay Playhouse production of Weekend Comedy. We've got some members of the cast with us in the studio this morning for a preview. Trevor Welsh, Cody Garrett-Wells, and Andrea Adams-Miller, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, all of you. We appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you, Chris. to get a full house uh, here this morning. So, uh, tell us about Weekend Comedy. Uh, this is... You know, it's, there are some shows that, you know, everybody uh, everybody knows. This is probably one that maybe is a little less familiar. So tell us about the show. Less familiar. Uh, there are four of us, so one of us is missing with us here this morning,
5: ha- um, Haley Malecki, Is that how you pronounce yeah. mm-hmm. her name? She is absolutely adorable as well. So it's uh, two couples. So I'm uh, Dr. Andre Adams Miller. So Peggy, I play uh, the, one, the wife of the older couple. And then uh, we have our younger couple that both rent a cabin the same weekend and uh as you could expect, generational gap uh antics ensue that mm-hmm. uh, you're wording Trevor. Uh <laughs> please join in guys. What else am I missing? Yeah. Oh. Go ahead, Cody. <laughs> I was
2: gonna say, uh it's Memorial Day weekend, it's set in the eighties, and so I mean there's a lot going on. Um it's it's really paced like a laugh a line though. Like it's it goes
5: quick.
0: I was going to say, I, I would guess that it's a comedy.
5: It's very much a, a romantic <laughs> <It's> comedy. Ridiculously <laughs> funny comedy. Oh, yeah. uh, And he's not kidding. Almost every line that comes out of somebody's mouth is either a setup for a laugh... Or the punchline, and it uh, is—it'll be interesting to see. Every night there'll be a different place where the audience is picking up on what they hear as funny and what's happening in their own lives. It literally parallels people's lives. Whether you've been married, you know, for 28 years or you're newly married, you're gonna or thinking about getting married, you are going to hear (laughs) things in your relationship that you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is me." Yeah,
0: (laughs) there there is some some comfort in that, knowing that there is a universality to uh, absolutely uh, in in respect. Yeah, I I would
6: consider the show to be highly relatable to any couple, you know, at any age. Um, So, you know, you really see a lot of parallels from You've got this couple in their 20s who have been together for three years. So mm-hmm. very much in that throes of passion, the, the love is still very much mm-hmm. of the physical kind. And yeah. then you've got a couple in their 50s the, who, uh, you know, that, that marriage has aged over time, right? And, and it's become more. Right.
0: And, and, of course, for those of us who have been through both of those stages, obviously, <laughs> we're in that, uh, that latter stage. You kind of look at those young couples and you think, oh, yeah, it's just you wait. <laughs> oh,
5: that, that is very poignant in this show. Now, uh, Cody, who plays my husband Frank, is this cantankerous, lovable uh, teddy bear, except for uh, his his. His ideas and views of the world. He's a little frugal. He's a little prudish. He's and I am. Uh, des- my character Peggy's desperately trying to get his love and affection, and is very oh enamored by this couple who's like all touchy, lovey feely, and Frank's not having it.
0: <laughs> this could be about my. Life.
5: <laughs> that's the way my uh, my wife
0: describes me is the king ham is kind of middle aged guy.
4: Um,
0: <laughs> no, but. Um, it, this it strikes me when you talk about this being a, a laugh a minute and every every line is is something is this the kind of the the show that you might almost want to go see more than once oh uh, to get everything i mean you know,
2: I have a feeling that it's going to definitely be a show where you can go multiple times and get something new out of it each time.
0: Yeah. Well, every night at practice, I
5: hear something new <laughs> come out of your mouth that I had. He's saying the same line, but I'm picking up a new nuance out of it. And I, and it's so, as a cast member, to not laugh at each other's well, that's lines. What, that's what I was going to um, say,
0: because when you're performing it, when you have something like that, that is so you know rapid yeah. fire and, and new stuff all the time, that's got to be... Uh, hard sometimes to sing a character. Yeah, there's yep.
5: some physicality as well. going. Yeah, forward.
2: I was going to say, everybody is extremely professional during rehearsals. And then there's also me. So we <laughs> we have fun.
5: Oh, it, it, you, you, I'm, I, it, I promise you, you will giggle so much, knee slap, belly laugh. You we will have so much fun. It is such an adorable
0: little secret that people didn't know about. It really will be a perfect weekend for you. So the uh, the show is Weekend Comedy. Uh, actually opens up on the 22nd, correct? Next so Thursday. Give us all of the uh, details uh, on this.
2: All right. So we are opening on the 22nd, running through the 25th. And then the following weekend, we run from the 1st through the 3rd. Uh, on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, it's an 8 p.m. show. And then on Sunday shows, start at 5 and the tickets are on sale now.
5: And I recommend you come right away. Come see it the you know, first night. And uh, what happens is we usually sell out, and then people are upset that they didn't get to come. So right. make sure you get your tickets now.
0: And, again, the uh, tickets are on sale uh, right now. How do folks get uh, get tickets to the show? So you can
6: order your uh, tickets via phone uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 11 to 3. You can also go online, uh, fortfinleyplayhouse.org uh, slash tickets. We also will have tickets at the door, but like Andrea said, you know, tickets can go fast, so those aren't always guaranteed. Uh, Tickets are $15, and uh, any unclaimed tickets can be resold five minutes prior. Okay.
0: Uh, We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about weekend comedy. This is the next uh, production from the uh, Fort Findlay Playhouse coming up, uh, opening on the uh, 22nd. And whenever we uh, have uh, folks from the uh, Playhouse in, always uh, take time to mention that this is a true community uh, playhouse, true community theatrical group, and always looking for more people to join in. Clearly, you have a lot of fun in doing what you're doing. Oh,
5: we have a great, great time. And if you're not one who wants to be on stage, we always love our cast and crew members. And uh, we have, you know, people can do sound and clothes and makeup and lighting. And, you know, there's so many different ways to be a part of the Playhouse, even if you're just coming to help yeah. usher yeah. or help provide snacks for intermission.
6: <laughs> well, and we always welcome new volunteers, too. This is my first show with Fort Finley Playhouse and Haley's first show as well. And And uh, so, you know, we always accept, you know, having new volunteers and having new people here at the shows. So
0: let me on on that uh, on that note, since it is your uh, your first one, what drew you to the uh, to the players to get involved? Yeah.
6: So, um, you know, I've always had a passion for community theater. I think it's an absolute blast. Uh, There's just something magical about live theater that you just don't get in cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Um, You know, I found Fort Finley Playhouse online. I came in, I'm like, you know, I'll just go to a general general membership meeting to see how it is. And Mm -hmm. I've just fallen in love with the, you know, the cast, the board, Um, you know, talking with everyone. Uh, Everyone here is
0: so passionate about the work that they do. I would imagine that's a pretty familiar story. Oh, it is.
5: And I've been at the Playhouse for over 23 years now. And, you know, my career takes me in and out. Sometimes I can be in, sometimes I can't. And and boy, the years I've not been able to be in a show. I I literally, when I go see show I'm so happy for my peers who are on stage. I cry because I miss being there. So to be able to be in a show again, uh, it just, uh, what a joy to be able to be present.
0: And like like you said, there are all kinds of ways to be a part of it, uh, whether it's on stage or behind the scenes. And if folks are interested in maybe learning more about the, becoming part of the Playhouse family, how do the... Uh, I, I
6: would we, say the first place to go is the Facebook page that we have at okay. Fort Finley Playhouse. That's how I found it. Um, okay. And, you know, we have uh, general membership meetings and board meetings that are open to the public. So if you just want to check it out and see what we're like, um, that's the first place to start in my mind. All yeah,
5: right. introduce yourself Yourself, say hi say hey I'd like to be a part what can I do how can I volunteer and we'll we'll love your time <laughs>
0: <Absolutely>. <laughs> Trevor Welsh Cody Garrett Wells and Andrew, uh, Andre Adams Miller with us this morning again the Fort Finley Playhouse production of Weekend Comedy opens on the 22nd you can go to goodmornings.net for more information on it and uh, guys thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate it thank, thank, you. thank you thanks so much and that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, that, of course, goodmornings.net. So slide on over and check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, have you ever had a fight with your significant other over finances? For Valentine's Day, a look at how modern-day couples approach love and money. Plus, the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court is getting behind an effort to combat legal deserts, bringing attorneys to those who need them in rural and underserved areas. We'll learn more. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.